Hey everybody and welcome to the Health Tech Podcast where we talk about everything healthcare and technology. I'm your host, James Somaru, and this is your weekly Sunday session. Good morning everybody and happy Sunday. So for this week's Sunday session, I'm joined by Sarah Tico, who's the founder and CEO of Hatsumi, and Ross O'Brien, who's the Associate Director of Innovation and Technology at Central Northwest London NHS Trust to talk about adopting health tech innovation. And in this case, that's with VR because Sarah and Ross have worked together in order to adopt VR technology into healthcare. So it's a fascinating discussion and to be honest it was yeah just really interesting having both Sarah and Ross obviously Sarah being the VR entrepreneur and the creator of the VR and having Ross who was the adopter of the VR into the healthcare system into that trust helping patients right on the ground floor it's a really interesting playoff between the two as to how that actually happened and to all the impact that's being made right now with some practical advice as well for anybody that's looking to do that so hope you enjoy this conversation guys so sarah and ross welcome to the health tech podcast how are you guys doing this morning yeah good thanks how are you i'm very well very well it's nice and sunny today so uh i'm in a bit of a brighter mood so what I'm going to get you to do, guys, is just briefly introduce yourselves. So I obviously know you, Sarah, we've been on a couple of podcasts and bits and bobs before, but Ross, we're sort of meeting for the first time. So why don't you guys give a brief intro to yourselves? Uh, hi there, my name is Sarah Tico, and I uh, do lots of things in the world of virtual reality and healthcare. So uh, I started my own company, Hatsumi, uh, about two and a half years ago now. And uh, we're looking at, well, we're developing a tool that looks at how you can use um, 3D drawing in VR to communicate uh, and help people understand the experience of pain. Uh, Alongside that, I'm also the producer uh, on Explore Deep, a breath controlled VR experience to help people manage their anxiety. And then I work with Ross and uh, a bunch of people as well, kind of through my role uh, as the healthcare lead at Mercy UK to really think about how uh, lots of you know immersive startups researchers and and healthcare practitioners all work together to think about what the future of vr and health can look like amazing you've done that intro before over to you ross <laughs> like sarah um i've got quite a um a couple of roles and, and they're mixed um uh, one uh, role i'm the associate director of innovation and technology uh for at CNWR, which is um, a trust in uh, London, so we provide community and uh, mental health services. Um, and another role I've got is I'm the digital lead for uh, London uh, Talking Therapy Services, or IAPT, uh, if you work uh, in the NHS. Um, and uh, my interest in, in VR was very much born from working in uh, Grenfell, so I led the service that responded to uh, the Grenfell Tower fire um, and we used VR there to kind of engage the community um, and to start conversations about really um, a, a, a tough subject matter in terms of trauma and, and bereavement um, and how people are affected by the fire. So my um, uh, my kind of route into VR uh, uh, was there and, and, uh, and, and has grown, uh, grown uh, exponentially over the course of the last uh, two or three years. Yeah, I imagine obviously getting into it for, from something like that and you must have seen a real sort of positive effect of it quite, you know, very, very close to the ground floor in with that experience, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, in the, in the early days following following Grenfell, we really really struggled to engage the community because there was kind of a, um, a a fear of authority, and there were a hell of a lot of different agencies trying to talk to the community at that at that time. Um, and we found that our kind of traditional NHS methods of engaging the community in mental health services, which are uh, giving away pens or um, uh, offering people leaflets about why don't we talk about depression and anxiety or you know that kind of thing didn't really yield any results especially in that environment um, and, and, I, and I laugh because it's, it's obvious right um, uh, but when we started to use um, VR headsets to go out um, uh, in the community and just give people the opportunity to use it for the first time it really really changed our uh, instantaneously changed the, the relationship between the clinician and the, and the public um, and we just yeah we just found that uh, it was a brilliant way to engage people and it kind of went on from there. I suppose it's 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 easy to engage people with VR because it's cool right I mean Sarah you must see that in in your work that you know, you know trying to I say trying, but I suppose giving people the opportunity to use VR, they jump at the chance, right? Especially when you're saying that you, you, you might be able to reduce their pain and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, sometimes I'm a bit um, cautious of the cool factor of it because just because things new and exciting doesn't necessarily mean that it's good. But I think the fact that it's fun is very important when actually a lot of uh, engaging in your health isn't very fun. Like it's very hard to motivate people to continue to do uh, their physiotherapy or learning how to meditate. Like, uh, I mean, I've been diagnosed with ADHD and I like the idea of trying to learn how to meditate is a, is a nightmare, but actually through making something playful and exciting and motivating people. I mean, that's a, a very small part of it. But And again, with like taboo subjects, talking about mental health or end of life um, is, is, is really difficult. And so I think by having this as, as a, a new tool um, and the fact that it can be incredibly valuable in uh, various mental health therapies, uh that yeah like you like you mentioned that it can actually like reduce people's pain significantly like why would you choose to give people you know addictive opioids when you could actually you know think about how you can use vr and i guess it's also bringing this more holistic approach to understanding health as well uh, and i think how lots of this also fits into the sort of social prescribing model uh, as well of, of thinking about the fact that yeah there are other ways of supporting people that isn't just um, medical intervention vr is an interesting one for me for, for a few of those reasons it seems to me at the moment that vr's kind of it's not mainstream in terms of we're going to offer you this VR therapy or a drug or something. It's not held at that regard yet, but it's certainly getting there quickly. It seems that there's a growing evidence base. There's a lot more startups. There's arguably scale ups like Vox VR and people raising from Optum and, and you know, Optum Ventures and things like that. It seems to me that there is this swell of not only enthusiasm but actually evidence behind vr and it seems to be that there's actually a community of people i suppose like yourself ross that's coming from the healthcare world that's actually saying you know what we're ready to adopt this not only the entrepreneurs are ready to build it but it seems like the demand side is ready to start adopting it is that how you guys see the ecosystem i'm interested as, as players in it how you kind of feel about that ecosystem at the moment and, and how it's sort of made up 
I think uh, I think it's fair to say um, uh, it, it's still uh, in its in its infancy. I think if you were fresh into VR as a clinician or as a as a manager in the NHS, you wouldn't really know where to go. And I think um, me and Sarah are passionate around creating a framework so people know where to go, so that there are. The organisations and, and the companies and the startups and the, the, the clinicians that are doing really exciting things in VR at the moment are kind of showcased more. Um, you know, we know we know of some fantastic work um, that's going on all over the all over the UK, um, uh, literally in 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 every in every corner. Um, but I think sometimes what we do is we celebrate that work and we celebrate the individuals who are who are leading it. And then at the end of that celebration, everything kind of stops and goes back to normal. And and and, and for me, um, uh, we need a we need a clear strategy. We need a um, a, a framework um, for uh, for organisations to sell onto, and for uh, the NHS and healthcare bodies to 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 buy off. Um, and we need to kind of know who's doing good work and, and what areas we should be focusing in on as well yeah absolutely because um because i guess um it's interesting that ross and i come from very different worlds in how we first became interested because uh initially i wanted to do a small art project about uh, uh psychosis and mental health and kind of using vr as this sort of storytelling tool that could uh you know be a way of like engaging the public in different conversations about mental health and then sort of accidentally discovered how it could be used therapeutically uh and ended up doing some work over at stanford university in the us and they had um in their uh, psychiatry department they had uh, an immersive consortium that was this way of sort of bringing together people from the university uh people from industry uh and then there's a hospital attached so um sort of healthcare practitioners there as well and it was just this great way of sort of getting people in the same room and and, and really sort of sharing updates on what was going on, uh, you know, being able to, yeah, just, just stay connected across those different industries. Um, and so I started to think about doing a PhD uh, and this art project turned into about something a bit more, more scientific uh, and then decided to start as a company. So it was sort of coming back to the UK and speaking to other VR healthcare startups and being like, what does this even mean? Like, how, how is this even possible? Uh, and like, is this, is this completely mad? And, and this was a couple of years ago now and everyone's like, well, just don't expect to have like, make any money or have any success or really let it go anywhere because you know we're all just like banging our heads at the door of the NHS and not only are we trying to develop the technology and be able to put it through trials but also you know you're thinking about how to work with these big hardware companies how do we even think about things like cyber security and the fact that these are you know um, tools that can gather a lot of like potentially very valuable data. But when you think about organizations like Facebook that are basically you know, the leading uh, developers of VR headsets worldwide and, and how troubling their um, sort of approach to uh, maintaining uh, yeah, patient, well, uh, user data security, I think is, is quite problematic. So I think finding a way that we can sort of get everyone in, in the same room and, and thinking about this whole sort of pipeline from people coming up with smaller ideas to how we work with 
these big companies and and how we can work with the games industry as well you know obviously healthcare is um quite limited in in, in the access to funds sometimes and but and and the resources but i think thinking about how we can collaborate with the people that have the skills and the tools as well to again make things that are really compelling and engaging um, and sort of having this very interdisciplinary approach to, to how things are made and distributed. You know, it's funny on this on this podcast we've had a few entrepreneurs in VR like yourself, and I think you know even even on this podcast I'm certainly guilty of waiting health tech and whatever that means towards entrepreneurship and things like that. I think you know having someone like yourself, Ross, on here I think is really important because not only it doesn't just take entrepreneurs building good products to change healthcare at all there is actually an entire industry that needs to surround this not only the people that are going to adopt it and bring it in but as you've just alluded to there's actually if we're going to make this work if we're going to actually get this to work for patients it needs academia it needs uh, it needs those people on the demand side adopting it. It needs regulators. It needs all of those things to actually solidify the rules and get everybody playing by the right rules to then, as you kind of alluded to, Ross, give, give people a place to start, which give them a framework in which to operate to then give them freedom. And I think for the people listening, I suppose, you don't have to be an entrepreneur to make a difference and bring VR into healthcare. You can be a jobbing nurse, doctor, physiotherapist, whatever it is, to start looking into this to then make a change. I mean, Ross, from your point of view, what would your advice be to people on that healthcare side, the clinicians, the managers, the people that can visualize a different world through VR right now? How would you, you know, what advice would you give them to, to get to, to allow them to get started? Well, so our, our journey um, using VR in the NHS was really, really interesting. So as I said, we kind of um, uh, took VR out into the streets, into the community, and literally used, um, used it as a tool to engage people. Um, but one of the things that I was really, really conscious of was also um, kind of uh, a hearts and minds approach. The first time I... Uh, I used VR. I just thought I was about to swear, um, uh, but I thought this is this is brilliant. I, I really, really, um, uh, I, I was really, really enthused by it. But I knew that unless other people had tried it, um, they weren't going to be uh, in in the same mindset. And a lot of time in the NHS, um, when you talk about something new, when you talk about a digital therapeutic or a digital technology. The, the, the first thing somebody will say to you is, where's the evidence base? And you're kind of like, it's innovation. There's unlikely to be an evidence base, but still that's that's kind of the starting block. So for so, so for me, and I, I think that the way we've been successful in, in the adoption um, uh, inside the NHS is also not just to concentrate on being outwards focusing, but to concentrate on what's within your, your staff group. So um, uh, the company that... Uh, that we worked with um, uh, the, the Fred company uh, led by Rosie Collins we, uh, we we did a piece of uh, joint work whereby uh, we gave the headsets to the clinicians um, uh, we spent time with the clinicians uh, looking at their well-being and we simply said have a headset take it away for a week have a look around VR see what works for you because then 
we knew that as soon as we gave ads at somebody, they would also be really, really enthused um, and, and kind of bring that back into the workplace. And I think one of the, the best discoveries for me was that the people that I thought were least likely to adopt and to do something were actually the people that grabbed it. And, and so uh, at the, the, I, I always recall this one, one clinician, um, uh, uh, slightly older than the other clinicians, by her own admission, she, is, she said, there's, there's not a chance, technology, no way, I'm not gonna do it. She now runs uh, VR outreach programs with older adults. So she's taking the headsets from me, going and doing sessions with the older adults. And I'm like, this Amazing. is brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So I think for me, it's around um, uh, getting the tech into people's hands, letting them explore it for themselves. But also, you know, having that approach whereby we were interested in the staff well-being as well as the population well-being. And what, what a great tool to be able to do something. For the and staff. for those people, what pr really practically speaking now, you know, I'm, I'm a nurse on a ward. I've got an idea that VR could be used to help me and or my patients for something. What is the first step that I take? Yeah, it, it's, it, that, 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 that's the thing. At the moment, there's not a kind of a, a framework or a, a guidance piece around it. So we very much felt, uh, felt our way through it. So we looked at um, other therapeutics that had been adopted. Um, uh, you know, there's, there's you know, considerations are around, um, is it a medical device? And you need to be quite clear what you're using it for. Um, uh, we came across issues like actually purchasing the hardware. It's not on the NHS framework. So, um, uh, you know, we, we were, finding inventive ways to actually get the kit in the first place. I think for me, it's about finding um, a, a good partner that's able to, that kind of understands the NHS a, a little bit and, and how it works. Um, but I think personally, there's a lot of, uh, of trust that goes into from the NHS side and the uh, organization outside the NHS. They need to tr kind of trust each other um, a lot and, and you need to have a, a common goal in terms of if you're looking to um, uh, improve the quality of people's lives if you're both working in that direction then other things should should fall into place but um, I think the, the the piece of work that me and Sarah at the, uh, are doing at the moment is trying to influence the the NHS to start to think about an NHS wide strategy um, and, and I don't want to steal Sarah's thunder with this because she's been the person that's really been kind of like leading it in terms of um, uh, of, of how 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 we do that. But that's a lot of the work that we've been doing in the last uh, months and years, actually, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess you know we've kind of been doing it together for like quite some time now, and I think it's been interesting, like seeing who gets excited by this because uh, a lot of this came out of sort of roundtable discussions that we've been running through Immerse UK around and sort of opportunities and, and barriers and, and ultimately it just comes down to these questions of how are these things distributed, how are they adopted, how, how is uh, this sort of um, strategy but but there's there's a lot of interest and there are lots of organisations out there that are already doing quite a lot of work so I think it's really about connecting 
protecting all those people, making sure that we don't all exist in our silos and ultimately see how we can work with the NHS to create this strategy. Because um, already organisations like Health Education England have done a lot uh, in their sort of immersive training. They've been working really closely with uh, a series of hospitals across the UK. Alderhey Hospital in Liverpool were doing some amazing work. Uh, Torbay Hospital down in Torquay. Um, but they're also, again, connecting with uh, universities, um, and hardware and software companies as well. And so I think it's just, you know, really how we do the sort of joined up thinking. Uh, again, places like Story Features Academy, that's much more of a sort of immersive storytelling organization as part of Raw Holloway. Then uh, they've been running a program in collaboration with Nesta, um, with these immersive mental health fellowships where they're partnering SMEs with psychologists to start thinking about you know, developing these sort of tools. And then on an international level, there's organizations like the International VR Healthcare Association um, that Ross and I have been working closely with um, as well. And the XR Safety Initiative, who have also established their medical um, advisory council as well. So we're at this exciting moment where it's like everyone's starting to meet each other and we're starting to think about interoperability and accessibility. Um, and it's really exciting. Um, and, and just to add as well, very briefly to, I think, people that are interested as well, because I'm now learning the, uh, the challenges sometimes of working with big organisations like the NHS. But, um, but I think just even like in terms of um, just uh, finding out a bit more, I think there's a, there's a big distinction between, you know, these clinically validated, you know, VR experiences that startups are creating that can be quite tough to get your hands on, but also like things that already exist and are out there that can already be used. So like the work that, that Ross and was doing with the Fred company, um, Rosie Collins at, at, at Grenfell, and you guys were using like existing, like sort of arts and games based VR experiences. Right. And, um, and I think there's something wonderful about just like getting a headset, like uh, the Oculus Quest is probably the most affordable and the most enjoyable to use. Um, and just and just downloading some of the games on there already. There's lots of really fantastic relaxing relaxation based games. Uh, so, for example, there's one called Nature Treks that's already been used quite a lot in hospices and end of life. Um, I'm actually training to be uh, an end of life doula in my spare time so I've been like going to again all these sort of like elderly women that, that run the end of life training and they're like no not technology and I'm like would you like to um you know like feed some deer in a field or would you like to paint with water whilst float, fly, floating through space and immediately again everyone's like wow like I could use this in so many different things um or even being able to use google maps vr like thinking about you know especially at the moment with people that are isolated or you know elderly people in care homes and being able to take them to you know perhaps their hometown that they grew up in and stand in front of you know the, their old church or something i think that's like incredibly powerful and thinking about the fact that you can actually take people to places uh, that they couldn't go probably anyway, let alone now we're dealing with the pandemic. Yeah, I think f from this chat that we've had, I think the, the main thing that I've taken away about that VR ecosystem in healthcare is that for me, it seems like it once was this big blurry void with so much going on, but it seems that now it's sharpening into focus. There are certain areas that are really, really coming into focus. There's there's the regulatory side, there's the you know the policy side, there's the, you know a, a decent swell of startups, but also that demand side from the hospital. And I think for everybody listening in that VR community, or indeed anybody that wants to sort of jump onto this spinning Catherine wheel of the VR community, it sounds like just jump on. 
find a place to jump on and just partner with somebody, ring some startups, get a device, try something out. And it seems that there is an ecosystem building where everybody wants to support each other, which is great. And I think that that is certainly a positive for, for all of healthcare, not least because we do need alternatives to just handing pills out. Certainly. If you guys could leave the audience with one thing today, what would it be? Me, um, uh, it's about uh, not biting off more than you can chew. Finding, finding um, uh, uh, one one kind of approach, and 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 giving it a go, and seeing what comes from that. Not being massively ambitious at the beginning in terms of I'm going to change um, uh, all of mental health care with VR. Just finding one application of it and and seeing where it goes. I'm sure positive things will come from it. Love it. Yeah, again, just grab a headset, have a play, you know, learn about it through through doing it. And uh, and there's so many fascinating people out there really, you know, spreading the good word, but also, you know, thinking about like very innovative approaches to it. And I think, you know, the things that we can learn from, from the games industry as well, I think is, is very important. And I think like thinking about this sort of cross-disciplinary collaborations uh, will, will make this even more interesting. Love it. Thanks so much for coming on, guys. Thanks for having us. Cheers, James. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening and making it all the way to the end of this episode. Remember to subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. And you can head to the description of this episode to follow me on all of my social media so you don't miss out on any of the latest health tech content.